Welcome to Anomaly Literary Journal's latest podcast, A Conversation with Poet Christos Kale. In this podcast, I talk to Christos about his poem Vigil for the Night from Anomaly Literary Journal issue 6. We talk about the night as a theme um, of poetry, and we talk about so many things besides. So put your feet up, have a glass of wine, and join us. If you like our podcast and you like what we're trying to do, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Like, share, and subscribe. You know we will appreciate it. Enjoy the podcast. Christos, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to be you know, discussing poetry with you. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, you liked the the other podcasts. I mean, I think it's an interesting way of doing it, just talking to the poets rather than just talking about them. Well, it was great. I actually did spend my morning listening to the the last three that you have with Rachel Blass and the like the you know the general sixty issue one with I think your new editor in chief. Oh yeah, Sherelle. Yeah, that was a lot of fun actually. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I enjoyed listening to the. You know, you always bring up Father Ted, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to watch that on the Father Ted references. Yeah, exactly. The, the US, like, listeners might be alienated. Yeah, um, or they could just watch it and probably find it hilarious. They definitely will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I was just going to say that I, I enjoyed the issue. I thought it was a great issue, and I told you before, but we were talking privately in London and Facebook that you know the, the I thought the artwork was fantastic, and I know you really liked the the Jack Warren poem, but my favorite was um, for a lost ticket. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah. Um. Oh God, what was her name? Uh, it was uh, I think Stockwell or yeah Stockwell. Yeah, it was, I think. Um, I can't remember. That was in the other issue. I th- oh, no, no, Sam Stockwell. Sam Stockwell, yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, yeah and I, I just really enjoyed the, the small, uh, and especially at night poems. I, I look out for them, and I was hoping to do to, like, to you today more extensively about the night, just because... You know, my poem was about the night as well. Yeah. Um, I have a huge collection about the night. Uh, yeah, it's just so interesting to me. It's Yeah, I, I really wasn't expecting that poem from her to kind of come... to kind of go into that... The, I just didn't expect it to go where it was going. And I just thought it was so interesting. It was such a good poem. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things a, that, like... Takes you by surprise. I mean, I really liked your poem. I mean, I was trying to think, like, I'm assuming it was about uh, the nightclub fire, right? But I, I couldn't figure out which one it was. Oh, I, I mean, I, I really wasn't going for that because, I mean, I, I wasn't thinking of any particular event. I was, I mean, this poem was just part of a series that I was writing about. The wow. Night, really. 
Oh my god, that's so weird, because when I kept reading it, I kept thinking about that thing. For, was it a couple of years ago? It was like there was, an, there was a fire in a nightclub in Oakland. And that's kind of where I went in my head when I was reading the, the poem. I mean, I, I, I figured that, you know, when you were talking with Chevelle, that you, you know, you, you obviously, you creep up and you, you bring into the poem a context. And I think that's always like a great thing to do. I can tell you right now, I didn't have that in mind. But I mean, you know, that's part of interpreting. But. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I kind of like, I think we were talking in the podcast about like how, you know, and I think Blas Falconer said it as well. It's like things just, once you publish something, it's out there and it's out of your control. And how people interpret things you know, you've you've no control over how they how they interpret things. Is that, I mean, is that the, do you have any thoughts about the? I mean, other than that, is that the reason you picked the poem? Is that the reason you? Well, it wasn't the reason that I picked it because I think, like, you know, it doesn't ultimately. I don't think it really matters what you read into something as long as you find something in it. I mean, there were such beautiful images in it and such beautiful like phrases. I'm, like, the one that kind of sticks with me is um, that line, until a shadow presses its mouth on yours. And, like, in my head, I was thinking, well, like, that's, like, s- smoke inhalation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I completely read into the poem, like, something that just... it. I guess it, in me, it just sort of triggered the memory of, like, this incident on the news or something, you know? And I think from that point, it was kind of... But also, it reminded me a little bit of... Um, like, it's very different type of writing. It's a very different style that you both have. But it reminded me of uh, Scheherazade Javon's poem oh, yeah. uh, for the firefighter's... The firefighter's wife, I think, from issue one. Um, but it was a similar kind of... I don't, I don't know. I guess it's just the way I read into it. But it was a really beautiful poem. And then I think probably the reference in the last line of the arsonist Dawn is probably maybe also sort of what cemented that in my in my mind. The predink, yeah. I mean, I was wondering, do you want to hear it? Yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah. Uh, okay, it's called Vigil for the Night. It too empties the sky, scared and scarred. By the light bulb, leading, running to fight the next day, a refuge in the wounds, with the doormat saying, Welcome. But now, it's an emergency sign, a fire sign. Isn't it? Isn't the burning enough to make you run, night, from the manhole you call home, under the roof, to prevent the rain of embers? from reaching your skin, courage, beauty, please, breathe, until the shadow presses its mouth on yours, for the breath of darkness you name, to survive, one more Bogota, to keep lovers for a little longer, in the black, they like to swallow each other in, hold the bright fangs of day away, Trust me when I say, if you decide to show up, no part of you will break. No part of you will melt by another arsonist. Oh, it's a good poem. I'm glad you enjoyed it because it's not really, you know, a happy poem. It's not really, you know, an uplifting poem. Yeah, it's, it's melancholic and it's a little bit, you know... 
Um, it's sort of holding itself in, in a way. But it, it really, uh, in, a, in a way, in the, I mean, that's why it sort of comes the kind of last in my uh, manuscript at the moment. It, it somehow vindicates night because I don't think, I, I mean, for me, we tend to think about the night, you know, as a, as a scary thing. And I mean, in the poem, night, it's more, you know, it's more really scared and, uh, I don't know, trying to survive. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you you say that. Like I think I've probably mentioned night or nighttime in like quite a few of my poems as well. And I don't, and I don't, yeah, I did, yeah, I did. But I I don't tend to look at nighttime that way either. I tend to think of it as more of like a quiet, uh, you know, it's full of solitude. It's even like a little bit magical. Like that's kind of where I go to like myself with with nighttime um you know my the funny thing is is my dad would always say like if I was going out you know and it was dark he'd be like oh you know be very careful coming home and I'm kind of like yeah but it's nighttime there's no one around like my chances of getting mugged or something at nighttime are probably a lot less than during like the early evening you know um, yeah. And I don't know why I feel that way. I, I probably shouldn't. But I think, like, maybe it's living in London as well. Like, so when you're in a big city, like, you're generally safe most of the time because, especially in London, there are always people around, if not more people around at nighttime than there are during the day. And I, to be honest, I don't think I've ever been mugged at nighttime. I've definitely been mugged in the middle of the day. So, but, so I just don't think of it as a, as a, as a dangerous period of the day. But um, I, I like. I mean, I like what you said. It's so interesting to me because you're saying that during daytime you feel safe because you're visible. I mean, people can see you. You're obviously, you know, you're, you're right. You'll be fine. Mm. And during the nighttime, you feel safe because you're invisible. I mean, there's there's no one really to see you, so you feel you know untouched. Yeah, it's a bit of a dichotomy, really. That sort of doesn't make sense. It's a very interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I don't know, maybe it's like two frames of mind for each part of the day. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole podcast that I was I was following during when I was, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm still completing the manuscript, but there's a whole podcast called Nocturne, and it's one of the most like, fascinating things I've ever heard because it's all about the night. Every single aspect you can imagine about the night is on that podcast. Uh, it's really interesting, and if any, like if anyone is listening and wants to look it around, you, you should definitely should because it's really good. Oh, is it on Apple Podcasts? Um, I think it's on all like platforms, but okay. they do have like their own website. It's called Nocturne. It creates an atmosphere, and it's very nice. It's almost as if it's night time, even if you're listening in the morning. Oh, I'll have to give it a listen. That's pretty cool. I'm always looking for new podcasts. Um, but do you want to talk a little bit about like what Vigil for the Night means to you? Because I obviously read into it like way too extremely. I mean, I don't think I had. I don't know if you if you do, and I, I don't. I don't imagine that it's constant. But I don't, you know, plan out my poems before mm. you know extremely well before writing them. But I think this poem was really just. Uh, looking at night as a sort of animal, but not really any type of animal, uh, mostly just a prey uh, animal. 
uh, instead of a predator, and in this case, the, the daytime is, uh, I mean, this probably really doesn't sound interesting to most people, but that's the way I was looking at it. I was looking at it as, you know, the night having this sort of portal that is the sky, and then um, creating a mythology around, you know, what, what happens. Uh, and in this case, uh, the, I think the, at, at least the, the voice of the poem wants to find the night. That's why there is a vigil. That's why, uh, you know, it, it promises something to the night to come back in a way. Uh, and it sort of creates this mini mythology, if you want. I've noticed through the years that the you know the similes and the metaphors that take place in the dramas, in the ancient Greek dramas, are, are, are always, almost always about the day versus the night uh, versus the night. Let's say something like that, and the, the dynamics between them. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's like you know, we. I think just as I mean, obviously everything has been written anyway, but I think poets do just tend to come back to the same things over and over again <laughs> for whatever reason do you remember, do you remember the um, I mean obviously you remember the love song of Jay after Prukrok I mean that poem the, over the evening is spread out against the sky like a patient that lies upon a table and it's I mean it's really not it's a simile that doesn't really capture the night as something very dynamic and powerful it's basically a, a, a patient and I mean, I, I, I love the poem, I love the simile, but that's, that's not how I think of the night. I mean, most, most of the times. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not something passive, it's something that it's much more, um, I, don't, I don't know, inclusive, let's say, from the daytime, because you get so much, you know, of the, the lack of eyes. You can do whatever you want, pretty much. Yeah, um, there's a sort of a freedom with nighttime that you don't necessarily feel during the day. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Hmm. I, I did notice, because um, I was looking at your book, Rituals, today. I, I do remember you sent me an early copy of it. I did. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> you could cut that in. But you're my friend. It's okay. It's fine. Of course you've seen it. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, yeah. And I was going to say that you actually, your night comes up in your points as well. And I, and I did notice that quite a lot. It, it, yeah, I was I was kind of getting a bit parent because I was saying to Blast Falconer like he did the same thing I did where he handed in like his like in inverted commas final like version of the manuscript and then they were like okay final edits and he sent in like this whole new version um, which is exactly what I did because I was a bit paranoid that maybe I was talking about it like a bit too much I still think there's a bit too much of it in there but it's kind of too late now. Yeah, I mean, the repetition, is, I, I didn't find it repetitious, but repetition is something that I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to avoid. And if you don't have, like, great records of, you know, your notes and your ideas, things do come up. Like, yeah, same. but I think, I mean, I think in terms of, like, themes and stuff like that, I, I'm not necessarily sure that repetition is a, is a bad thing either. Um, as long as you're you're doing it in a different way and you're not using the same words over and over, I think it can be quite um, uh, powerful, maybe, in a way. And it, it, it does tend to, like, I do feel it kind of tends to bind that book together, but, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what other people think. Yeah, I mean, how is that going? Can you... Yeah, it's, um, 
I felt like I've talked about this on every podcast, but it, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> but it's, no, it's, it's coming, it's close. So it's September. Um, I don't have an exact date yet. They're waiting for their A or C copies. Um, and, and then we'll know, but, uh, it's definitely September. So it's a bit nerve wracking. Oh, did, did you find that, I mean, the, I know you talked about with, with Rachel a bit that, you know, it was sort of edited down. Uh, did you find that it changed massively since the, you know, the, the copies that you had earlier? Um, I think I changed it quite a bit, yeah. So yeah. you changed it yourself, not... not no, I mean, they are obviously, like... I, I mean, they say they're editing, but I don't really know what that means. I hope, you know, obviously they're going to run, like, a final... They're not going to cut anything out or anything like that, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen their final version of it yet, but they're going to send me a PDF pretty soon, I think, actually. I think the cover has been finalised this week. So, I mean, that's that. I don't, you know, I haven't seen anything, so I don't know, but I don't think I can make any changes at this point. I think I'm just going to have to live with it if I don't like it. But I do like the, I do like the artist. I think he's really good. So I trust that it's... I haven't seen the artist, but... I, I, yeah, I, th I think he's, he, they're, they're going to do a really good job. And like the font that Robin picked for it is beautiful. I think it's going to look really cool. But yeah, we'll see. It's just, it's so nerve wracking. It's like, because I... You know, I'm not used to not having any control over over something like that, so it's sort of, it's hard for me to kind of like let go and just be like, ah, oh, just trust. But they, I mean, they're great. They've been fantastic to work with. And like, I, I, like I really have no complaints. They've been wonderful. I imagine that it's also like the, I think the, the confusion of having to move on, like, you know, you need a new project now. I mean, after this, you know, Obviously, the production is to go on, in a sense. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've, I haven't written anything at all this year, because um, it's been about a year, the whole process overall. And I just kind of felt like I was afraid that I'd end up writing the same stuff over and over. So I think I just needed to take a break and like concentrate on my, on my job and just general life stuff. And then once I have an idea, idea of kind of what I because I I'm one of those people like I'm one of those writers that tends to like percolate and just kind of leave things on the back burner to kind of subconsciously sort of soak in if that makes any sense oh yeah I've because, got so many unfinished poems like they're, they're obviously killing me because they're yeah. unfinished and that's the worst feeling you can have that you have like 15 files of three line poems and yeah, it just nags at you. Yes, exactly. And especially if you're, I mean, someone like me that, you know, I, I'm an overthinker, I'm, I'm a nervous overthinker. Uh, and especially like with the academic work, I, I believe that I might be like an OCD perfectionist as well. It kills me with the poems because if you, if you cannot really have a perfect poem, you cannot make it perfect. No, of course, but I think, you know, I mean, when I say flaws, I don't mean massive flaws, obviously, but you know, I don't think that's, I don't think you, you should strive for complete and total perfection. You know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible for one thing, but I mean, it, it can be, yeah, it is very difficult to just kind of, I have found it really hard this year to just sit back and not do anything. Um, but I've kind of forced myself to do it because I think I just sort of need that time. Yeah. I mean, it, we, I think we all need that time and there's many people who actually talked about, I was actually reading a, 
an, an article a few days ago. You probably have seen it. It was it was either either trending on Facebook or some websites had it, and it was basically saying that you know there's a difference between perfection and excellence, um, and it's okay not to be perfect. And in fact, that should be the goal. Yeah, of course. I I completely agree, and there there is a massive, massive difference. Um, you'll have to send me a link to that. I, I will, and the other thing as well is what you were saying that you know you need to take a breath. I mean, some people. I mean, because you you know I love Ocean Vuong by now. Uh, he was saying that you know sometimes he he had a poem in him, and he didn't even use a pen and paper. Like he read it rest. And then when it was, you know, ready, was fermented, he actually started writing. And that's why he, he says, I don't believe it, but he says he writes six poems per year. Um, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that either. I mean, six good poems a year, sure, I think we can all do that. But I think, you know, I mean, I write, like, a lot of crap that I just keep in a folder on my computer that will never, ever see the light of fucking day. But, you know, I think... I don't know, even writing, like, poems that you think yourself are terrible, at least you're kind of getting something. Because sometimes you might come back to that a year or two years later and find an idea there for something else. So I kind of... Or a line. Or a line, yeah. Like, I never throw anything away. I just think... You, even oh, if it's yeah. terrible, just save it because it might somehow become it become useful. It's sort of like the equivalent of having like one of those drawers in the kitchen where you just throw everything in, like needles, thread, you know, bits of paper, old pens, whatever. It's sort of like the poetry equivalent of that. Yeah, I, I mean, you definitely shouldn't throw anything away. I mean, there's there's plenty of bad poems that. Because we do have like a, a bad judgment as readers, I think, of our own poems, we I, I, at least I end up submitting those bad poems, and sometimes they actually get picked up. Yeah. And then, and then you kind of get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, well, I can put that one to bed. But then, but I find that surprising, though. It's like sometimes things have gotten published where I've sent out a batch and I kind of thought well why did they pick that one there was like three much yeah. stronger poems but I mean you can't tell what an editor is gonna like I guess or the, I mean or the other way around absolutely I had this really, what I thought was a really strong poem for more than a year now and it has been the first poem in all of my submissions and everyone picks up everything else instead of that poem yeah, I've had the exact same. I have a poem that's going around and no one will take it. And I'm kind of like, but this is good. Yeah, and I've had like other, you know, friends of mine who are like editors or writers look at it and kind of go, oh, that's a really good poem. But no one seems to, seems to want it for whatever reason. It's, I don't know, it's really strange. Oh yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. And, you know, first of all, it kills you. Because you, I mean, obviously you cannot prove anything. Uh, and the other thing is that it, I mean, it, what really should do is question, you know, your, 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 your judgment. But, you know, maybe you should re-look it or something like that, maybe edit a bit. But it, I, I don't know why it never works. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, like, and I often think 
that when I'm like looking through submissions for Anomaly that I'm kind of like, you know, oh God, this writer is probably like wondering why. And I have had emails from people kind of go, why this poem? You know, where they obviously thought, yeah, but they obviously thought they had something stronger where I, where I was kind of like, well, actually this little odd one out, it's the odd one out because actually that's the stronger poem from what you've but I mean it's all so subjective do you know what I mean I mean what I maybe you know there are probably editors out there that look at Anomaly and kind of go why are they picking this weird stuff but like you know but it's 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 our taste I guess you know I think you have I think I think you guys have great taste and I I would I mean I I see a lot of smaller poems in Anomaly and I like that uh, some people who usually for the page long or the two page long poems I mean in most journals you know I read a lot of a lot of journals and that's predominantly what is being published yeah it's the longer like form yeah I would like to see the smaller poems I love those I think it's much more difficult to write short form form poetry and I've like said it again and again that I'm a huge fan of like short form poetry but I like it precisely because it's so difficult to do well. It's very difficult to be that economical with with language Um, and I think too many writers run away with themselves with language. They end up going on and on and they go further than they really need to go to get to get something across. And I, I just think short form poetry is, um, it's, it's very difficult to do well. So when I do see it done well, I'm like, yep, I'll take that. Thanks. But it has to be done well. I'm like super picky. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some poems on, on LinkedIn because I'm, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Uh, there's some people who post their poems there and they're usually really, really bad. And <laughs> there, there were some haikus that were about, you know, body parts, but they were really not, know handled well or they didn't have any craft i mean not, not those kind of you know shorter forms yeah but, you know something who knows what they're doing and you know who, who knows what needs to be in and what needs to be left out yeah but i think i you know it's, it's very difficult to do that for yourself i yeah, think you, you need to i actually do look for that when i'm reading for the android journal as well like you know uh I think Android also has some longer poems. I'm always, like, at least as a reader, as a single reader, I'm always looking for some better, shorter poems. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but Adroit publishes some really great stuff, though. I really love their journal. I, like, I constantly read, like, every new issue. Yeah, I think it was, there was a deadline on the 15th and they extended that to the 31st of August, so people can continue sending work. Okay, well that's good, that's good to know, yeah. Yeah, but I think the new issue will be coming out soon, because we haven't mm. done the August issue, um, and there's plenty of, you know, good good poets in there, um, and that, you know, in the future as well, uh, there's so many good poems in my you know, in the, the submittable list right now who are not accepted yet, but they're soon to be accepted. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I know. I always think it's kind of exciting when you're unsubmittable and you kind of have an idea, you, you know exactly what you're going to accept, but um, but they just haven't been, you haven't gotten around to telling them yet and you're kind of like, oh, you're probably looking at your submittable going in progress. <laughs> You've no idea. We've already decided it's fine. Yeah. Do you know what I've been getting into? I, I mean, I, I've been 
I don't know if you ever had this, and it's such a weird thing, but I've been, I've been attracted to poems that are about nothing, like that are not about any concrete thing. Does that make sense? Um, it... You read something, and and went, oh, this isn't really about anything, but it's uh, so much. I've never seen it done well. No. No. What about? I was wondering, have you have you read K. Ryan? No, actually. Um, I mean, she's, I mean, she's amazing. She's one of my favorite, like, from the older generation U.S. poets. But she usually writes, as we said, like, the, the shorter forms, really. Uh, this rhyme sometimes, it's really neat. Uh, the ideas are there. It's almost like Dickinson, in a way. Mm. Uh, but, it, I mean, they, they always seem to have a message, but the poems themselves, I don't know, I don't know about something specifically. That's, I mean, that's the kind of poem I'm talking about. Right. I, um, I kind of know what you mean. I see a lot of poetry that I'm kind of like, this is really pretty, but you're not actually saying anything. And it's forgettable. Yeah, it's utterly forgettable. But I think what you're talking about is more sort of, like, maybe, like, I don't know, sometimes I think very short poems like that, like, especially Gillian Allnut writes really, really short poems sometimes. And if you didn't really know what it was referencing, you might miss it, and it might seem like it's really pretty, but not about anything particularly, um, if you don't get the reference. But... um, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, I was, I was thinking more in line of, like, we were talking about the night, and, and to me, the night, even though it is, you know, a subject, let's say, in many ways it is a known subject, like, even, even T.S. Eliot poems, that is not really about anything, like, what is even day after proof about? I mean, can you, can you name one, a single thing that's a to be honest, I don't really read that much Elliot because he rhymes and it annoys me. <laughs> I mean, I probably, I did as a teenager, but I mean, fuck me, I can't remember that now. And that, yeah, that's a terrible thing to say because he's genius, but I just, I, 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 I never got into him. I, I could never really understand why. I, I mean, I, I, I really like him and, I, and I've been reading it for so many years and I still don't know what it is about. I'm <laughs> really like, attracted to it. But I think that's okay when it's done correctly. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm thinking of so... Oh, God, let me just see. I'm sure I have... Yeah, I do have... I'm sure there is a poem by Gillian Allnut that I'm just kind of like, what is... That's not really about anything at all. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it just takes a smarter person than me to to figure it out, but... Do you think it's the sound? Are we, are we just attracted to the sound? I think it could be the sound, yeah. Because a lot, a lot goes into it. But I mean, that's half the battle with a poem anyways, to get the sound mm-hmm. right, you know? I mean, because I think, especially with someone like Gillian Allnut, I think she's quite fragmentary as a poet as well. Um, oh, it's called Wolf Light. So, it's Wolf Light. What laughter, what lying in among needles is before wilderness, before sea with its smelt before sea, that simulation, before sea with moon will abandon, abound in, wind in the forest, unamended, mere, dry, spore. It's almost more, it's, like, it's clearly about the landscape, but... Yeah, but who can, who can say, right? 
Yeah, but like it's also kind of just, it's almost like a feeling of the landscape, which is not to say that like what you're saying, it's not really about anything, but like particularly, but you know, that doesn't mean it's not genius. Oh yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is that yeah. these, these poems that are they're definitely rare, especially like, I think we talked about it before, and so many of the poems are so explicitly political. Uh, explicitly, they, they pretty much let you know from the first line. And that's also a great thing, that they let you know from the first line what they will be about. Yeah. Uh, and then you have these rare moments in sometimes in a whole poem that's the rare moment in which, in which it never tells you but it's not really evasive and it's not really elusive it's just there it's it's in itself right there but it's, it doesn't really you know uh, communicate something but it's really powerful yeah exactly and I'm glad I thought of that poem because that's kind of like the only thing I could s sort of relate it to I think I mean I would I will kind of like just to pick you a Kay Ryan poem just just for fun. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Kay Ryan is really amazing because I think she got the Pulitzer maybe in two thousand and ten. Okay, this is called this is called a bait goat, uh, and the poem goes that is a distance where magnets pull. We feel having held them back. Likewise, there is a distance where words attract. Set one out like a big goat and wait, and seven others will approach. But watch out, roving packs can pull your word away. You find your stay young and some rough bunch to them. I mean, this is this is more about language itself, but. It's almost not really, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it is it is obviously about language, but it... Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, it's sort of almost more an idea of it and how words kind of escape you sometimes. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm going to have to check out more of her work. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we were talking about sound as well, and I was thinking that sometimes when I read out a poem... Not, not my poems, I cannot really identify the, the mistakes in mine really well. But when I read, let's say, a poem for the Android journal or maybe something online, uh, I, I get distracted sometimes if there's too many sounds, but let's say, uh, crowd, crowded into one line. Yeah. And they stop you from reading smoothly, let's say. Yeah, I think sound is a really important thing I think I think that's kind of what I go for as well if it if it um if if it sounds pleasing to read because if it if it if it does stop you kind of it just throws you off the rhythm isn't right it means they've no understanding of what you know the rhythm of the poem I think every poem should have its own rhythm you know no matter who reads it or how they read it it should still flow and if there's no flow in the language I think it just kind of it's it's just it's just not very well done. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, uh, there's so many uh, poems I find that try to go for the, the the thesaurus approach, in which you you really understand that this person had this great 
you know, everyday commonplace word, but they chose to open the thesaurus and then find some kind of, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, elongated five-syllable word just to, I don't know, positive please the editor yeah i like i it never ever works if i for one second think that someone like went through a thesaurus i'm like uh no no you just stop eating the thesaurus for dinner and just like use words that come naturally use them for their sound you know i just i I, I never understand that it's it's a pet peeve for sure yeah and and if if I mean, when I'm reading a poem, if I have to open the dictionary to sort of understand it, then it sort of misses, misses something. I mean, primarily the point. Yeah, and like a lot of the time, they're actually like quite good poems if they would just write yeah, them just normally. It. Just stick to like a more, not colloquial, but more sort of just a relaxed, you know. I mean, there's a reason that the great poets are great poets because they can take ordinary language and elevate it to somewhere else that you don't have to you know you're not flicking through a thesaurus to read you know ted hughes or sylvia plath or you know seamus heaney or who, like derek Mahan, whoever you know you can you can it's accessible but it's also they do something so unusual with language that that's what poetry should be not you know if, if you the thing is if you can't find the word yourself on your own then you're trying too hard, and it's it's ultimately it's just yeah. going to fail as a piece of as a piece of work. And then it's somewhat overwritten. But I mean, those kind of things, I I did them many many times. I'm I'm talking about myself as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, I did that when I was younger. Of course, I did. I was Jesus. I was flicking through a thesaurus for year, like for hours. You know what I mean? I probably did that for years. But it yeah. just it takes you a bit of experience and training to kind of realize actually. You, you have all the tools you need. You don't. You don't need to be doing that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with expanding your vocabulary, but the thing is, when it's forced, uh, the poem ends up being overwritten, and then uh, it's so obvious to the person reading it on the other side. Oh yeah, it's it is. It's super obvious. Um, but you know, like I said, it's something that only kind of comes with experience. I think. Yeah. Do you think that? I mean, looking at Vigil for the Night, do you find that, because obviously you are an editor, and right now I'm looking for editorial perspectives to sort of make this book better, would you change anything about Vigil? No. It's Um, okay to say, because I don't... (laughs) I wouldn't. I mean, I wonder about punctuation, maybe. Just the odd bit of it. But that's only because the way that you read it that's the only reason um because i think you said uh it's an emergency it's an emergency sign a fire sign isn't it and it was a question and i wasn't aware that it was a question but it's just that stuff but i mean you know you do (laughs) i've seen your other work you do use punctuation so this is obviously a stylistic choice um but it doesn't take anything away from it i think it gives it it gives it a, a rhythm as well actually so yeah. I'm not yeah I'm not sure that changing it would work ultimately help it no okay can I tell you how the because I mean it's, it's sort of interesting also to talk about revisions I mean the poem uh, used to be 
first the first draft had punctuations as normally, and then the punctuations got uh, transformed into words. So let's say that the last sentence by Nashon is done. It used to be full stop, as in like the word full stop, not the simple. Oh. And that that's how it was every every word. So let's say into empties the sky, coma, scared and scarred by the light bulb, coma. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then I passed it through some of my uh, like you know the people who I share poems with, and they said you know it it it's a good as as maybe aesthetic choice, but um, many many people will find it off putting, and I I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it would kind of make it sound like a telegram. Um, but, I mean, interesting experiment. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad you did it the way you did. I think it works better. I think it's definitely cleaner. Uh, yeah, I think it flows better as well. There's a rhythm to it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, punctuation is obviously important, and I've seen many people do it really well. Obviously, you don't have the act bars. Yeah. The lack of punctuation there was done really, really well. It's a hard thing to do, I think, though. Definitely. I don't think I don't think I could do it, to be honest. Maybe after some time you could, yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't feel it would ever suit anything that I would maybe write. So I, I kind of. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. And it's a backbone, and it's like a you know a subject to cut it out. Yeah, I I have to have the structure. I'm just that. I think I'm just that kind of writer. I kind of I need the structure. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But um, no, I mean everyone's different, so it's yeah. I, I, something happens though with the with the syntax that I like. If you don't include punctuation, that is sort of you lose a normative um, uh, sort of structural element, and then you have the freedom to read the poem in many different ways. Yeah, well, it takes out some kind of inhibition doesn't it in 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 the piece yeah it is an interesting device i do i do like it when other people do it i just don't very much like it when i do it <laughs> yeah you're right when i see ones like that you see you sort of your interest and what goes on yeah it, it does pique like, your interest a bit it keeps you reading it i think have you seen have you seen any i don't know because i cannot think any other writers who would sort of did that throughout the book because Kevin did that excessively. Yeah, not... I, you know... I think every so often I'll see a poem in a book that doesn't have any, but no one that does it exclusively. I think you can't do it exclusively. I think that's just... It looks like laziness. It looks like you don't know what you're doing if you do it constantly, you know? Yeah, and I imagine even if, let's say, people like Kevin, if he, if he sort of does that... In the next book, it would seem like a, a repetition, even though it's not really a repetition. No, because he does definitely have many poems that do have punctuation. Yeah. So it's like I mean, uh-huh. we we know he can you know he can do he can do various forms, but um, yeah, I think if it was to repeat itself, it might be a bit much. But um, it did work for that book, though. It, it definitely worked for the theme of it. I thought. And I was looking at my uh, I, I made a list. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was wondering, what do you think of the the, sort of the current um, journal landscape? And um, you mean like in general? Um, yeah. I yeah, I mean I I quite like 
sort of what everyone is doing. You know, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen anything new that has bowled me over. Do you know what I mean? You know, the thing about, like, editing a journal as well is that, like, you have to be so careful about, like, I worry about, like, whether we're getting a bit stale. And that's kind of why I made, like, Sherelle editor-in-chief as well, because she has such a good eye and she can kind of turn me around on something by saying, okay, but what if you strip out this line, then read it from this line and see what you think. And it has completely changed my perspective on pieces that I would have, otherwise I would have just declined. Um, So I think you do need to keep kind of getting a fresh eye on things all the time. Otherwise you just, you kind of stagnate and no one wants to read a journal that just publishes the same stuff. Oh, absolutely. And and especially like the the long-standing ones, they have like, let's say, over a hundred issues and you know, at that point, you need to be doing something and keep it fresh. That's why I love Poetry Magazine. I don't know. I don't know if you if you do, but I love it. No, I agree. I always think they do something different. Like it's always somewhat unexpected after a while, um, and I think their choices kind of surprise me. I mean, I don't agree with all of them. I agree with the majority of them. Um, like I mean, I don't know who their editors are, but they're fantastic. Um, but they do, they're always changing it up and I, th- I really admire that, I think it's fantastic like I'm constantly on their website just reading stuff yeah, exactly I, I love, like I wait for every month's issue just because I know I'm going to find something that I haven't read and I definitely, if even if that's not true I definitely know that the people who uh, you know, are obviously are accepted there have, have tried, you know, for a long time as most of us do, to get in yeah, and you end up like finding poets that you've never heard of before, but then you end up like following them because of it. Like I just, yeah, I think what they do, I really like what they do. That, that's why I love it because I think people like you know, uh, people who are, are just starting over their emerging poets have a much bigger chance of being published in poetry because they're so, I believe, accepting of newer poems. You know, they could bring yeah. perspective in the landscape that is not being heard. Yeah, they are. I think they're really good. I mean, for me, they're kind of like the leading light of literary journals. It was great. And I, I'm, I'm, I think the, I think Anomaly is doing great work, and I've said it again to you and privately to other people that, you know, not many new magazines are doing what you're doing, which is basically putting issues regularly out and then working on podcasts and stuff. You know, that's very rare. Um, well, I guess that's why it's called the anomaly. Um, <laughs> but thank you. That's that's really sweet. I don't take compliments very well, but thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining me. Uh, anyway, I'll see you, Rogan, and we'll talk again. We will, absolutely. There you have it. That is a conversation with Christos Kale. My huge thanks to Christos for joining me on the podcast. And if you did enjoy it, please like, share, subscribe, and give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us reach a wider listener base. Until next time, take it easy.